And welcome to another edition of Around the Hearn. A big guest this week, two big interviews. A little bit longer than normal, but I absolutely love what they have to say, and I think they're great conversations to listen to as well. Salina Boys Basketball gets a new head coach, but it's a gentleman who is familiar with the area, coaching at both Wapakoneta and being from St. Mary's. Adam Johns will talk about his journey to become the new Salina Boys coach and what that might mean if there is a fall and a winter season. Again, everything kind of up in the air right now. And also a drive down memory lane, a couple of state titles, and a uh, terrific college career now explaining things a little bit from his point of view and looking back down the lane. Brandon Pardon will be here to talk about the uh, Lincoln View run in the late 90s, make fun of Frank Kill because, well, I mean, that's honestly what this show's about. I love Frank, and uh, he makes it easy. But Brandon talks about uh, everything at Lincoln View and about Middle Point. Now uh, kind of uh, looking at it from the long lens. Before we get to that, handful of news and notes from the area. A little bit more with things sort of opening up. The governor has got the restaurants opening up next week. And again, though, what that means for the future of everything athletically, I don't have that answer. The biggest piece of news a couple of days ago came out. The OHSAA is moving the girls' tournament to Dayton's UD Arena beginning next season. The boys will still be held in St. John's Arena next year because of the way the contract is, but it's open after that. The girls will play three seasons through the 23 season at UD. Maybe that's the future home. I mean, volleyball is just up the road at Wright State. Everything else is in Northeast Ohio. Uh, People are mad about that, but... I think this is great. They just spent all that money to redo UD Arena. It's a beautiful facility. I got to call Fort Loramie there a couple of days before everything shut down, and they do a great job of hosting. I understand that there's a sentiment of, you know, we didn't work our whole careers to go to Dayton, but the long and the short of it is Ohio State University does not want any of these games, so there's not really anything else you can do, and I think – the OHSA has done a masterful job of providing top-notch facilities all over the state. People always complain. That's really just what it all comes down to. But kudos to them for getting this done and for UD for stepping up and hosting when OSU wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Other movement news. A lot of people are jumping to maybe what this means. I think uh, next week we'll provide an interesting look at exactly what it means. And if things kind of shake up, I'm going to try to have somebody from Lipsick on next week to explain exactly what is going on over in Viking country. But the big news, the one thing that is actually in cement is that after the 21-22 school year, Lipsick will no longer be a member of the Blanchard Valley Conference. This could be the first of movement of many jigsaw puzzles of what happens to the BBC. There's rumors abound everywhere. One local guy keeps saying he knows that automatically that means that Lipstick's going to the NWC. I don't think that's necessarily 100% true. We'll see. It could happen, and that guy will stand around yelling out how he's the smartest human being in the world. But the Northwest Conference has invited Lipstick to join beginning in the 22-23 school year. They have other options. What those options are, Gary Kreinbrink, the uh, athletic director at Lipsick, hasn't said yet, but I guarantee a lot of good people on that board that they will make a, a good decision for the athletes going forward. Kind of staying in Lipsick country. Wes Schrader is from Lipsick, was the coach at Allen East. Took the Mustangs to a 9-1 and record this year in their first title since 1990. Left Allen East after this past season. Now the head coach at Granville High School. I hope he uh, does a wonderful job. A lot of people say that's a terrific hire. He's uh, a great dude from everyone who's been around him. Terrific football mind, and I wish him the best of luck. Go down the road to Kenton. No, Eikenberry says he's going to go wrestle at Lord University in the fall or whenever. And uh, that's a terrific university right there in Toledo. Love the baseball field that they play at where TCC plays. Done so many games there. Such nice people, and I hope he does very well as well representing the area. 
Big shout-out to my dude Aaron Matthews. He's the uh, District 8 Coaches Media Booster of the Year. That's a big honor. And uh, coming from the coaches, the uh, recognition of who's been on that list is just its amazing. I've seen it over the years, and it's kind of a who's who of who's in the area and who's doing a lot of good for the community and for the kids as well. So, again, congratulations to Aaron. And a couple of weeks ago, we had Jared Hoying on this show, and he talked about his journey to the Korean Baseball League and what exactly or the Korean Baseball Organization and exactly what that's going to mean in his third year now. The Hanwha Eagles, they won today. They beat Kia 4-1, to but sitting at just 3-6. and Hoying himself 0-1 with a walk and a run scored today. Sitting 242, he's got a double, a home run, five runs knocked in on the year through the first nine games. And I know it's on at an odd time, but, I mean, what else do you have to do? It's uh, set the DVR. A lot of 5 a.m. games, weekend games are 1 and 4 a.m., but it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's very different. And uh, Jared talked about that a couple weeks ago, about what it would be with no fans, but fans sort of starting to return. There's a, a lot of a lot of talk out there right now about the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, maybe even the NFL about what that's going to look like. Uh, Fox Sports said they're going to use digital fans. I don't know how that's going to go and pipe in crowd noise. Look, I hope we get back to a sense of normalcy and, and everything calms down on the virus front because sports without fans is weird. It's weird enough for wrestling. I can't imagine how it would be for anything else in 80,000 seat stadiums. That's just some of the things going on now. Uh, I absolutely, again, love the two interviews coming up. Adam Johns will be next. He'll talk about the uh, Slot of Boys program and it taking it over. And after him, Brandon Parton talks about Lincoln View and their back-to-back state titles, what that run has meant, and what it's like having two kids coming up playing basketball and so much more here on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer could come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Looking at changes in the coaching ranks, the Salina boys get a new basketball head coach, and it's a gentleman very well-versed in the Western Buckeye League and Adam Johns. First of all, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kind of uh, kind of different. I mean, uh, my friends have joked that you know that corridor pretty well, being a St. Mary's guy, you coach at Wapak for a long time, and now being at Salina, you've pretty much got that route worn out. No, I, I do. I think it's... Not to be exact, about you know, one hundred and fourteen thousand miles on my car back and forth between Salina and Wapak, driving through St. Mary's, and that's the, kind of the funny part is I stop in St. Mary's still to get my car service at Bud's, so you know, all the time. I always love the Doug Fry joke of when he was at the school, he wouldn't say that he would stop oh, yeah. and change his clothes before he would get back into St. Mary's. Oh, I'm sure. That was always one of my favorite parts of that whole rivalry. I wasn't, I'm not quite that bad. You know, it, it was a lot of fun, you know, driving to and from. You get to see different perspectives on things. Um, obviously, growing up in St. Mary's, but then teaching in Walpole for the last seven years, coaching in Walpole for the last seven years, and married the Salina girl. So you hear it all. I mean, I'm a contradiction like you, like you opened with. <laughs> Well, I graduated from St. Mary's, taught over there, now I live over here. So it's just one of those that, you know, it's part of my life, my life story, which it is what it is. Well, it's kind of odd, you know, it's that age-old thing of, well, you know, I, I really do see St. Mary's from every side now, one from the oh, East yeah. End, one from the West End. Oh, yeah, and growing up there for 18, 19 years, so you got, got every perspective. Well, it's kind of different for you, obviously, because right now you're not allowed to have a ton of contact, can't really get the summer practices or anything like that going. It's got to help at least a little bit to fall back on you know what 
you're going to get, so to speak, with with having seen Salina the last handful of years at Wapak. Absolutely, and uh, they were a very young group last year um, as far as varsity experience. Um, I know Max Toby had played varsity, I think, since he was a sophomore. He graduated, but other than that, I mean, they didn't have a ton of varsity experience on their roster, so they did take some lumps, which, you know, I, I forget who I told this to, but, you know, the league's hard enough um, right now. Very good teams, very good individual players. And then you turn around on Saturdays, if you're not playing the Mac, you're playing the likes of LCC, you're playing Crestview, which, you know, those aren't easy tasks either. And it's very difficult, I think, for young varsity players, you know, to work through that both mentally and physically over the course now of a 22-game season. It, it just doesn't make it easy on them. Three and twenty-one, and I saw him early on in the season a couple of times, right around the Holiday Classic at Coldwater, and and it was one of those odd things where, from having seen him twice in about a two and a half week span, I thought, all right, they're kind of they're growing a little bit. You talk about the eleven kids you'll have back, not a ton of experience. Josh Rizzoer is going to have, I I think he could have a bright future, obviously, but they it, it seemed like. Things started to click, but you have three nearly twenty-one teams in the WBL. It didn't uh, didn't really help the confidence there. Oh no, and that's you know, that's what our schedule. You know, any any basketball schedule now with twenty-two games. If you start, you know, going down a slope, you lose a couple in a row. You know, that can snowball. You know, really quickly on you. Um, whether it's two in a row, sometimes it can end up being four or five or six because, you know, kind of like what I said, I mean, there's not only there aren't bad teams around here, you know, the coaching around Northwest Ohio is some of the best, I think, across the state. So it's, it's very difficult, you know, young players to get, you know, that message sometimes, you know, you just have to keep playing, keep plugging away. Um, shots are going to fall those types of things, I mean, just to give yourself a chance. And, you know, unfortunately, they were on the wrong end of that majority of the time last year. Well, they had a couple of nights, I know, the Marion local game that was close the second night of the AAA Classic. I remember thinking, man, these aren't bad shots. These just, they will not go down. And that, I, and that's one of the more demoralizing things, you know, having, you know, played, a lot of basketball, played at Capital University. That, you know, you get into a funk, you start start thinking about it. I mean, it's no different sometimes than when you're out playing golf. One bad shot just stays in your mind, and it carries over for the rest of the round. Or, it, you know, it can carry with you for, like I said, three, four games. Um, I think, you know, uh, just have to, you know, if you see the rim as a shooter, let the shot go. If it goes in, it goes in. That's great. If not, well, don't hesitate the next time. Let it go. Season ends sort of in an odd fashion. Obviously, this is an unprecedented thing, but did it surprise you as deep as the WBL ended up being in showcasing in the tournament? I mean, you still had two teams still playing when everything shut down. Um, No. I mean, you know, you, you're always going to have, in my opinion, Ottawa Glandorf, you know, they're going to be right there at the top. But then, you know, like like you said, just the depth of the league, you know, there aren't there aren't cases where you look at your schedule like, okay, you know, we we can count on this one, we can count on that one. I mean, I don't I don't think you know you can go into a season and look at it like, oh man, okay, you know, the individual players and things like that. But then it's like, when do you catch them? Do they have is everybody clicking, you know, have they had a two or three game stretch where nobody misses or are you, are you one of those teams that, you know, they're right in the middle of one of those shooting funks or something like that. Um, it always creeps into my mind about those different things. But, you know, just like you said, the depth of individual talent plus team talent, very challenging year. With being at Wampok then and going to Salina now, are you allowed to kind of be happy about the, the resurgence this year of St. Mary's? 
Um, All nights you don't play I mean, them, obviously. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you want to you want to see. I think you know the kids be successful, and you know it's one of those that you knew going in. You know, with Dan coming out of retirement, that they were going to be good. Um, you know, he's he's not going to put up with a lot of things. You know, team seat coaches are very fundamental. You know, they get the ball inside. You know, it helps when you had, you know, 6'6", six, six, you know, 6'9", you know, t- trotting out there on your front line. And then they also had not only big interior players, but then their guards were a little bit bigger, you know, than traditional St. Mary's guards. Uh, talking with their staff, you know, kind of joke a little bit how they, you, know, you guys got enough big guys, you want to send a couple over to Walpock. And they said, hey, you know what it's been like around here when there's only one or two of you. I said, yeah, I've lived it. So, you know, it was, it's good to see them have success. Um, and like I said, you know, with Dan coming back, you knew things would change drastically on the floor. That's a rivalry that is such a big game. I imagine that it's going to be interesting for you. Obviously, it'll be a business trip, but the first time that you guys – take them on hopefully coming up in the winter i said well uh, luck yeah luckily first first go around get them at the field house i think because this past year they played over in st mary's and then the to me the weird one's going to be i think going back to walpog because we play over there we're scheduled to play over there this this winter so that'll be that'll be the first time going back you know most of those kids i've had i've seen whether it's in class you know, whether they played on the JV team the last few years, or I've at least you know coached them at practice as a freshman, so that'll be a more unique experience, I think, than well the St. Mary's game, obviously. But you know, being in Walpole the last seven years, that's you know kind of become you, know, you can get the kids fired up a little bit for that one. And I don't think I'll have to do as much in Salina to get them fired up to play that game. Well, I think that's what's cool, though, about high school athletics is obviously, you know, again, you have been on three sides of that, the whole thing, but is that, you know, you'll get some guff from your buddies or whatever, but they'll know, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where that night is just good fashion fun. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that to me, um, as far as, you know, my athletic career, you know, right now, and however long, I forget how long it's been. But my sophomore year, when we played Salina at the Fieldhouse, that was probably the best high school atmosphere, one of the best basketball atmospheres I've ever played in in my life. Um, I know tickets were hard to come by. I think my mom, we had we had gotten pre-sale tickets, and my mom, she had to get off work early. She had worked here in Salina, but she got off work early, staying in line, I think at about 3, 3.30 outside the field house to get a seat. I mean, it, the gym was full when we got there at five o'clock and everybody was in their seat for the JV game. I mean, it was awesome. I can only imagine what the sound is like on the court there, because when that place is even half full sitting up in the corner, calling those games, I, I have to turn my headphones up because I have a hard time hearing the guy next to me. Oh yeah. I like, I mean, I, I think I was still, I was obviously really jacked up to play that one. I don't remember, you know, the noise level in the gym, but, you know, coaching in there just for a JV game, like you said, as some of the <clears throat> fans start to trickle in before the varsity game, it starts to get a little noisy in there even for a JV game, which makes it more challenging sometimes. If you're not used to it, if you're used to bigger, more wide open gyms. I had quite a few people when the news sort of broke the other day. I had some St. Mary's people tell me about it, which I thought was kind of funny about uh, Salinas head coach. It's coming from St. Mary's people first, but they talked about, and I had a lot of tweets uh, talking about you specifically about they're excited to have you across the way. Obviously not one game a year, but about what you can do for this program. And one young man tweeted me and he said, you know, I couldn't have played for a better coach. They made the right choice. And, I love that there's a lot of positivity around your hiring. Yeah, uh, it was, you know, one of the more humbling things, I think, is, you know, people, 
you know, took some screenshots, sent it to me and things like that. And, um, got a lot of texts and phone calls about it. You know, it, it's been, you know, pretty humbling experience the last week when I you know, decided to take the job and, you know, people started to hear a little bit about it. And, you know, I think like you said, you know, one game a year, you know, going back a little bit to play, it's good, clean fun. But then, you know, I just think, you know, Salina presents a very unique opportunity. Um, you know, the, the community and a lot of the people I've talked to uh, so far, they're very prideful in the basketball program. Uh, I kind of mentioned that the other night, I think, when I talked to Callan Foster about it is, you know, I think they have the second most uh, league championships for boys basketball. Um, Ottawa, I think, has the most. But as far as, you know, charter members um, of the WBL, you know, Salina's got the most. So, I mean, it's a very, very, uh, I guess you could say, like I said, humbling experience that, you know, people want to see, you know, the basketball program kind of uplifted a little bit and, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a change, I guess, with some a younger person. Well, and I know that that's one game next year. Whenever that happens, that'll be rocking because they come to you as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, pack the gym as best I possibly can. With green people, you know, not the not the blue and gold. Oh, people. right, exactly. I don't. <laughs> they have their they have their small little section. I want to make sure the rest is green and white. You got to get those tickets early too, because those people they get uh, they make every gym feel like theirs. Oh, I know, and that's you know I always I would always laugh uh, warming up for football games, especially road games, watching you know the mad dash of fans to go get a seat over in the bleachers. Well, and that's kind of a crazy thing, too, because bleachers is something I was going to ask you about, the the whole the takedown of Skip Bachman Stadium in the last couple of weeks. And I sat up there for, blessed to sit up there for the last five years and call St. Mary's football and thinking that same thing. I can watch about 5.30 when they open those gates and watch those oh, people it, just flood in. It, it is a mad dash to, you know, general admission, you know, they're not, what do you want to say, they're not reserved seats, but they're kind of like understood every week. This is where I sit. It's almost like you're you know, going to church. And you know, there's no reserved section in church, but everybody has their spot. Well, and you know well that hey. if you sit next to Betty and you're not who's normally sitting next to Betty, it's things are oh, not going to go well. Absolutely. And that was, you know, one of the, one of the things. I had, my mom had heart surgery at one point. I had to take my grandma to Christmas Eve church service. It was you know, me, my wife, um, and my brother, I think, went, picked my grandma up, and we get into church. Said, okay, grandma, where do you want to sit? I don't know. Somebody's in my seat. So I <laughs> I had to deal with ninety a 90-year-old upset that somebody was in her seat for Christmas Eve church, and I couldn't do anything about it. So I, I would have loved to have seen that. Well, why don't you just go so, move them? <laughs> yeah, no, you go tell them. I don't, this is... I'm just the chauffeur right now. <laughs> and I I uh, was looking, I was reading obviously a lot about you and looking at different things. And 2004, coming out of the back end of a, about 10 years of those state championships for St. Mary's and the trips to the state championship game, you guys make another big run. You get to the finals, lose to Benedictine. But it seemed like in reading about those games, there were a lot of points throughout the course of that season where that year could have gone any way. Oh, absolutely. We were, um, I mean, the senior class that year led us, um, you know, Corey Vossler's, Nick Yales, uh, the Paul Ramos. I mean, we, we had experience. A lot of those guys have been playing since they were sophomores. And I was, you know, very fortunate to be in my position, you know, as a sophomore, you know, playing, that entire season, you know, starting, um, you know, very green, obviously, you know, there were a lot of guys on that in some key spots, you know, that were very green early on in the year. And you could see it at different points in time, but I do remember, you know, one thing that we constantly did throughout that season, we just kept getting better. I mean, individually, you know, collectively as an offensive line, you know, as, groups like that I just that's one thing I 
truly do remember. And then obviously all the fun that it was, uh, you know, in the lead up to that state championship, just, you know, the energy in the community, you know, throughout that year was awesome. Well, and it's crazy because in the middle of the year, you guys go 4-0, you blow out the first four opponents. That Van Wert game, Corey Vossler has the interception at the end, and that game had a couple of plays in it. You lose to Shawnee, and, and I would imagine losing by a point to those guys kind of motivated you because you pretty much went out and mopped the next month. Oh, and that was, you know, it's it's one of those, whether it's, you know, high school athletics, you watch it in college, you watch it, you know, professionally sometimes, you know, you learn a lot, I think, from a loss. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to get, you know, athletes to understand, you know, when they're, when you're on a roll, when, you know, you feel like you're invincible, then all of a sudden, you know, you stub your toe, that Shawnee game, we get beat. I think we, you know, we had too many turnovers in that one. We had some bad penalties. Um, defensively, I remember, you know, those guys played exceptionally well to keep us in that for how bad we played offensively. Um, but, you know, it knocked us down a little bit. It gave us a chance to refocus. And like you said, I think it would blew the doors off the people for about the next month heading into the playoffs. Yeah, it was definitely you were taking it out and were angry. I mean, the, those <laughs> scores are not even close. And, of course, taking it out on Salina, Bo has another four-touchdown game because – that's pretty much what he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get it, get inside the five. It's pretty much sign field delivered. I think <laughs> you know number five. Number five was getting it behind. You know, tackle and guard with a lead back, pretty much over. I've heard this story from a couple of guys, but I'd love to hear your perspective. The Indian Hill game. Nick Yale makes the hit, and everyone who has told the story said there were a couple of people who it wasn't so much that they saw it but they heard it. Oh, uh, the sound. Like you said, you when you you heard that one, you're like, that was totally different. I mean, that, that wasn't a normal football play. I mean, that was, you know, a hit that would probably be, you know, flagged now. Uh, but, I mean, the crack on that one just almost deafened the entire stadium, and then everybody erupted. I think uh, <laughs> probably the best call, I don't know if you have a chance, uh, Bill Cheslock and, you know, it was MT, it was MTV for the high school. His call on that is hysterical. I mean, it just, it, it almost like he killed the guy. I forget how the call actually goes, but I mean, when we heard that about the next week on the announcements, it, I mean, it sent the whole high school into hysteria. And I mean, he was just calling it as he saw it and everybody else did. But yeah, like you said, the sound, I haven't heard it on a football field, I don't think, since. Well, say, I, I had heard about it doing St. Mary's football for the first couple of years, and then someone tipped me off to the fact that it's on YouTube, and I had to go watch it, and you're right. The first time I saw it, I thought, if he does that now, I, that's 15, oh. he's gone. Yeah, just just for the fact that, you know, how quickly it happened, how he ended up on the ground, and just the sound alone would have drawn a penalty, in my opinion. You go through Chaminade Julien, you go through Bishop Watterson in a great defensive game, you get to the finals with Benedictine. I've got to imagine that quite most of St. Mary's is at that game. Oh, yeah, that was that was one of those that, you know, there's a reason why. Um, it wasn't in Maslin, but, you know, downtown they have, have the sign from Facing Maslin, two new Bremen, things like that. You know that was that was one of those. You're going to get everybody there, and everybody's going to watch because you know it. It had been some time since I think you know '93 since St. Mary's had been down there, and you know they live live for football and they live for football success, especially at that level. Even though we came out on the wrong end of that game. Well, and that's kind of the thing. You go through the first, it's scoreless. They get. The touchdown and the field goal in the second. Okay, you go into the half, 10 nothing. I would imagine, you know, Doug being how Doug is, he's he's not really freaking out because you've made up 10 points before. Right. I I think, I don't, I want to say, I don't remember the exact score, but I do remember we had a, 
we had a bad turnover in the. I think it was inside the five. At one point, we were we were going to cut into the lead, whether it would you know cut it to three, cut it to seven. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember we had a bad turnover in the second half going into score. I think that really really hurt us. And it just kind of seemed like Jamal Brown has a big day. He's able to get kind of loose for a little bit. They had that one-two punch, and they had just enough where you guys just couldn't get back after that. Yep, and that was, you know, um, and that was the unfortunate thing. Like you, like you had said, you know, we had at some points played with fire a little bit. We had some, you know, closer games than what maybe we should have, but, you know, when two two good teams you know, play in a championship like that, um, you know you have a couple bad mistakes. You have you know a couple individual performances like Benedictine have. It makes it a lot more challenging than you know what you're used to at that point. But you know you get you get into a state championship. It's not like there are bad teams playing against each other, right? And not Benedictine, anyways. Right, they've been they've been decent over the years. Yeah, I mean they've had some success. I think. I feel like every time I turn on my TV, they're probably on there. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, now I don't know if you see them as much since you know the the competitive balance and things like that. But I mean, they're still a good football program. I know in the Cleveland area. Yeah, they. Uh, I know they were there a couple years ago because I remember thinking, "Oh, those guys again." Yeah, but it is it is kind of neat, and I always appreciate kind of the the look down memory lane. A lot of people asked about working, uh, doing, having more access to St. Mary's games, and I know the guys from the '90s are going to come on at some point. So I appreciate that. Hey, not a problem, you know. And you know, since being a basketball coach and things like that, it was also you, know, you turn around following that football season. I think we had as basketball players, you know, two weeks off, and then we started playing basketball and made it to the regional semis. So, I mean, that was a long, grueling season for some of us. And then those kids probably turn around and play baseball. Yeah, I forget how many of them, I mean, how many guys went out and played baseball. But, yeah, it was a real busy fall, real busy wintertime, and I know they had success in the spring playing baseball. I didn't play any baseball. I was kind of done at that point i think i was traveling around playing basketball but that was that was a lot of fun being a st mary's athlete that year when you get to actually talk to your team uh, at salina what are you looking forward to talking to them about kind of getting in the gym with them some of these kids you know they've only ever seen me like on you know a game night and you know in typical athlete fashion you know i get pretty focused in but at the same time you know practice and things like that you know, just them getting to know me me getting to know them you know the personalities of everybody involved and you know things like that to where you build a little camaraderie and you have a little fun with it who knows what will happen well i thank you so much for doing this and i wish you the best of luck this year all right, thank you. Hopefully, we'll see you around. Oh, for sure. We have a lot of uh, a lot of games on K ninety four this year. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you so much. Yep, have a good one. That's Adam Johns, a new Salina Boys basketball coach. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters, like all of our salespeople. Yeah. And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. About once or twice every couple of weeks, I put out a tweet that's about this podcast, and I ask people... Who do you want to hear from? What do you want to hear about? And almost every single time, the issue that dominates this is the ninety, the late 90s Lincoln View teams. And the person who dominates this is this week's guest in Brandon Pardon. I swear I get more requests for you. And not just from Frank Kill, but he, he would like for you to talk a little about him. But just about people who love this 
kind of the run that you guys put together and have a, and people who don't have a tremendous respect for it. Yeah. You know what? It's uh, looking back, some of the best memories of my life, especially, you know, you talk about the community, you talk about our team and, um, you know, I think, uh, we were talking a little bit before is you think you get better as you get older, but you know, we did have a really, really good team and that was just unique in itself. You know, to have a group of guys in that class that had something in common and, you know, thrive to, to want to win. And I think that's, uh, what you hope for, you know, any good team. So I was still a lot of memories. People still bring it up. We still uh, kind of have a text string with the guys, you know, from my class and, Obviously, going back to that community, it's, it's always great to go to Lincoln View Games and see people because the same people that were going there when I was growing up were going there when I was playing are still, you know, Lancer fans regardless. So, um, yeah, unique time, but it's uh, always good to talk about, too. Well, it's kind of a neat thing with everything closed down. Lima News does the poll. You guys beat quite a few of the teams that everybody else will talk about, but the best of the best for that 97 team. And, and some of the teams I think you had to beat along the way in the 81 Collida team, 2016 Lima Central Catholic, 83 St. John's, 04 OG. And then, of course, it had to be super sweet because, you know, beating Crestview at one point, that's always nice. Too. Yeah. I would have to uh, have to agree with that. Crestview was probably the biggest rivalry grew up. You know, it's, it's just a rivalry. It's not like you it's, uh, I hate some people can say it's bad. It's just, it was good fun. And, um, but that game was always extra special. So always have a little added energy for that particular game. It's crazy too, because of course, is it, it's kind of bittersweet, but in a way he kind of wins. You get to beat Frank along the way. I have to say Frank probably got out coached by Dave Evans in that game. If I had to, if I had to guess, it came down to some X's and O's and, and, and Frank ended up making a few more mistakes. So I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I have no well, doubt Frank. That, that Frank would say the same thing because he actually has said <laughs> the same thing on this podcast. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he has. Frank is uh, Frank is one of a kind. He's, I'm so uh, happy for him with the job he's done at LCC. He's, um was a good teammate as well. I mean, one of the best teammates. Um, what he was able to do in our class. I mean, he's, um, I'd say, um, not overlooked, but, you know, again, he would have been, you know, the leading scorer on a lot of teams that uh, we played against along on the way. And um, he's just a glue guy, a glue guy, team guy, and it was all about winning. So it uh, doesn't surprise me Frank's successful coaching right now. Well, from the here's Frank's questions department, he starts off and he would oh like to know how your cross-country career helped you prepare for basketball <laughs> and the influence that Frank Kill had on one Brandon Pardon during cross-country season. Frank would ask a cross-country question of all questions that he could ask me. Um, it gets worse. You know what, cross-country cross country was actually, um, you know, nobody likes running, but, you know, for me, you know, having football, so fall sports, I wanted to do something, and, you know, for me, I looked at it as a way for me to get in shape for basketball. Um, but I also would say that we didn't take it too serious either. Um, you know, practices were kind of uh, – um, somebody would have a car parked in the late distance. We'd run to that car and drive that home. So, um, you know, we would do about half the, so we could get to open gym that night. Um, but again, for Frank, the, the impact he had on it was, he was kind of the, the funny guy. He was always kind of, you know, he was a jokester too. And, um, so we had fun with it. I mean, he was, uh, I wish I would have taken it a little bit more seriously. Um, I'm sure Frank would say the same, but we did it for, for the good of the game of basketball, I would say from Lincoln View more than uh, the opportunity to become a, a state champion um, cross-country runner. I had to text him and ask him about this because I love being able to hear stories of someone from someone who was there with them at that point. And he follows with, do you recall your Friday routine to Dr. Rabes during basketball season? <laughs> yeah. I, um, so, I mean, I would go to Dr. Rabes uh, on Fridays. I, not so even so proud of this moment that I was even able to do this at the time, but I um, was able to go there and get treatment. I, I had some muscular issues on my back, so I would go there and get treatment. Um, we'd usually grab a, a haircut over at North Shore Barbershop and maybe grab Fazoli's on the way back to, to make sure we last period government. I was told there was one more stop. Um, trying to think what that stop would have been. I was told that Toys R Us was always a big stop. Um, well, it depends if Chad was with me, Chad Pollock was, 
you know, he was a big gamer. So we would, uh, if he was with me, uh, yeah, that was a stop. That was a stop. It's just funny because this is one giant run on sentence, but I couldn't wait when he sent it back to me to hear the stories. He goes on to describe you as an MVP who walked on water at Lincoln View and could do no wrong. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I think it was, uh, um, you know, for us being in that class, I mean, I wouldn't say walking on water is, I mean, I mean, Frank's using some, um, that's just Frank being crazy again. But, you know, obviously when you win and things, you know, it wasn't just me for sure. I mean, I think all the guys would say, you don't get special treat by no means, but, you know, people um, are excited about, you know, Lincoln U basketball at that time, even now. And obviously when you're winning, um, you may get away with a little bit more or not have to do as much as you would otherwise. And it's it's kind of neat because your team comes up a lot this year with, we talked about Columbus Grove, because Grove had two juniors approaching 1,000 and they both ended up getting there. But the question was, you know, how many teams have had two or three kids get to 1,000 in their junior year? And you were immediately, your team is the one I thought of. Yeah, you know what? At the time, I'll be honest with you, it was never really even thought of. Like, I wouldn't be lying if I said we didn't expect that. I mean, expect to be a thousand point score, but it wasn't like we were, you know, talking about stats and things. It was always about winning. That's one thing I can say about, you know, we're talking about Frank and everybody was involved in that team. It was never about who's getting the credit, who's getting, you know, the stats. And because at the end of the day, everybody was to a certain extent and everybody, um, but to have 3,000 point scores on one team, you just, you don't see it. And, um, I am proud to see that, you know, again, probably could have had, you know, Frank would have been a thousand point score on any other team. So it's just, uh, you know, we talk about a unique group of guys that come together. I, I tell people, it's just a once in a lifetime. I don't know that you'll ever see something like that. Um, in my opinion, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of good teams, but just looking back, you know, and the memories that we had, just, it's, uh, it truly is amazing to see, you know, that the, the, those guys and um, everybody involved that was just all on the same pace all the time. And it's really kind of amazing when you consider the fact that it's not exactly like there's a ton of boys to pick from Lincoln View. I mean, to have that no, group, no. you know, be that way. You know what happens? You know, we were in fifth and sixth grade. We, you know, we started playing, liked playing, and you know, obviously, some of us, you know, I played a little bit more. Played on a couple all-star teams from Van Wert when I was in sixth grade, but we had our school team. And we did okay. We'd, you know, win some games, lose some games. But when we got to seventh grade, it was like we won our first game. We'll never forget against Fort Jennings. We won our second game. We won our third game. Next thing you know, it's, we go 16-0, and right? And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like we were all friends, but we were all playing together. I mean, those, everybody on that team, we were just all best friends. Um, we did everything together when we weren't, you know, we were at somebody's house, you know, sleeping over or, playing basketball and, and Chad's barn. I mean, we're just always something revolving around each other um, in sports. And that grew into eighth grade and just kind of continually grew. And everybody was always on the same page after that. It was always, you know, about winning and trying to get to the state tournament. And it's so interesting. You have four or five guys that year average nine points a game or more to be able to spread the ball and to look at the assists. I mean, that's just, unselfishness uh, it, that's again going back to it's a thing you don't see a lot now you know I, I think for me personally like I really really enjoyed you know getting everybody involved I really enjoyed playing at a pace that was faster than everybody else you know it was in my hands I got to make the decision not that I'm forced anything but I just felt that you know I got so good with the ball and so fast a lot of times I've just put so much pressure and people were sprinting Frank's running the lanes Wes is running the lanes and gave us options if we didn't have it we can get into our offense but so many more times we would get down there and we were getting transition points, easy baskets. And, you know, when it comes to a three on two, I felt, you know, I was, that was my, you know, my bread and butter. So, um, you know, in the half court offense, it was just, everybody was so unselfish. It wasn't about, you know, who's, I mean, again, there was games that I, you know, I would, wouldn't score in the first half or, you know, whatever it was. And somebody else is stepping up, you know, it's just, it was, it was never about one person, two people. It was always about, and how we're going to win. And I think Coach Evans did a phenomenal job of making sure that was, you know, he stressed that. You know, it was about a team, it was a team game. And, um, you know, it's, it, you would think there would be dissension at times, and, and truly there never was, not, you know, especially the last two years. So, it's uh, again, it goes back to just a special group of guys that 
we're all on the same page, cared for one another, loved one another, consider each other brothers. And, um, you know, you don't see that all the time, but when you do, you, you, you can, you can spot it. You can spot it. I love the article where Wes is quoted as talking about uh, last two years, you guys go 53 and one. And he says, you know, I, I look at it now and maybe coach Evans was a better psychologist than we gave him credit for keeping all of us motivated. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, coach Evans, you know, some people can say it's like the compared to the NBA, but like Phil Jackson coaching the Bulls or the Lakers and, you know, anybody coach those teams or Steve Kirk, it really, Coach Evans did a phenomenal job. And it started when we were in eighth grade. I mean, he would come to games and, and when I were freshmen and, you know, to help, you know, he was really, really, I would say hard on me. But, you know, at that time I didn't understand what he was doing. I just thought, man, what, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, make an impact, not screw up. But he was trying to develop me as not only as, as a player, but also as a person to become a leader and what it takes. And, you know, and he did that with everybody. It wasn't just me. So when you look back, Wes was right on it. Like, Coach Evans really understood what buttons to push. He knew what he could do and say to me to motivate, and he'd do the same with other guys. And he would empower myself, you know, as a leader to say and do things, you know, to really help push the team to another level. And um, I really, again, he's a big, big part of, you know, who I am today and, you know, my basketball success, especially at the high school level. But he really prepared me for, for college and what that was going to entail. You go the first time. You guys beat Jason Collier, beat Springfield Catholic by 23 points. The two experiences, how how was the first one, and how did it differ from the second one? So, you know, it starts, you know, when I was in, I think it was third or fourth grade, the first time I went to state tournament, I, was, I saw Jimmy Jackson play. And then it became a, you know, every year we would go down. Chad's dad, Chad Pollock's dad, would take us down every single year. And we would scout tickets and go to games, and it was always – you know, thought someday we would love to play there. It was just this big, you know, event that you wanted to be a part of. So when you go through your years, my first year, um, you know, even getting beat in the district finals my sophomore year against Ottaville, it was that to this day is the worst loss of my life. Because I thought we had a chance that year to go there, right? So there's this expectation, there's this excitement. We get beat by a team that would beat by 25 during, you know, the season. And here we are in our junior season with this motivation like no other. And so you're going along this line and you win a bunch of games in a row and then you get to the tournament and you're undefeated. And there's excitement because you can see the end goal. You're expected to get to that point. But still, there's just this excitement of you want to be part of it. You want to experience what it's like to be on that tournament run. And um, to get down, there was this nervousness. You know, there was this excitement around the community of never being there. Um, and it was just truly, you know, I can never forget that first, you know, somebody had paid for a chartered bus to bring our team, you know, down there and have this bus pull up and there's signs, there's people everywhere. Um, there was just a sense of, um, just, a, you know, I say excitement. I was just so proud, proud of my community, proud of my team. I was like, this is really happening. We're going to go play not just in front of our Northwest Ohio community people that were there every, every home and away game, but the state of Ohio is going to see Liam you play. And it was truly, again, it was just an experience from a, you know, a small town kid from middle point, Ohio to have, be able to experience that with his buddies you can't, uh, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. These guys that didn't get that experience that this year that were seniors or, you know, may have never experienced it. It's just, I hate that for them because of what the experience is and me knowing what it's like. Um, it's one like no other. And you compare that to my senior year where, you know, we come off getting beat, you know, you, you have that motivation. I was, you know, all of us were like, this isn't happening. But there's also a, a difference after being there. There was, I would say it's, there was a little, still nervous. But I was still like, you know, this is I, – I know what the end goal is. I know that we're – you know, we have the best team. Every game I knew we were the best team. It was never a question of that. But can we continue to rise? Do we Are we going to, um, you know, clam up? And, you know, there was times where I thought we played a little tight in the tournament, especially in the districts. But at the end of the day, I thought, you know, we were able to, you know, get through it and get to the state. And then I thought we played more relaxed in the state tournament after getting there. Um, than we did on a tournament run. So the difference is being the unknown versus the known. Um, but both of them are just, it's, you know, in the second year being able to win it, knowing my last game in high school was on St. John's Arena and hugging Dave Evans, you know, the, all the work and time that you put into something and be able to experience that with your buddies. I mean, I just, still to this day, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's, uh, it truly is incredible. Which one of the two championship games, the district where you beat St. John's or the Lipsick win in the regionals, which one of those is more nerve-wracking coming down to the end? 
you know, I, I think um, the St. John's game was, was different in itself, right? Because I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, we played at such a pace. You know, we wanted to play to 100, and we wanted to get out. And St. John's did a really good job of not letting me get in the open court. They ran their offense. They had a lead. Um, and they really, you know, controlled the tempo. And we never had that ever that year. So that was a challenge in itself. But as soon as we were able to um, – West, I remember getting an N1 in the fourth quarter, went to three points and went to five. And we got to eight. You know, you still never – you never know. Um, you know, but that was probably the – I say if they're as nervous, like you're just – you know, you're expected to win. But it's still – it was, you know, um, Coach Norris had a great game plan. The players, you know, played their game plan, and um, they made it as tough on as, as possible. But at the end, I thought, you know, our talent, you know, was able to, you know, you know, supersede that. You walk off the St. You know John's Arena Court, D4 State Player of the Year, two-time state champ. You go to Wright State for a while. That didn't work out. How did you end up going from Dayton up to BG? So, you know, Going to Wright State, I thought it was a great situation for me. Rob Welch from Wayne Trace had recently graduated. The, the point guard position was wide open. The coach was coming. Coach um, Ed Schilling was coming from the New Jersey Nets. Um, young coach, one of the youngest in the country, was 30 at the time. Um, point guard, played in Miami, Ohio. I just thought it was a perfect fit for me. Um, but after getting there, you know, experience and um, it was a great experience for me, um, but it was also, you know, winning there wasn't as important. And what I mean by that is, you know, we would lose games and it was just on to the next one. And I just, I had a really hard time with that. I also just felt like how I was used, it was more of an NBA offense. I would pass, go to the corner, there was action on the other side. Um, really wasn't be able to use, you know, kind of things, especially passing, um, that I was, you know, I thought was probably one of my best assets. So for me, it was after the season, I came back and I was working at uh, Warburton Brothers, a construction company. Um, and Coach Evans was working there as a summer job as well, and him and I had numerous conversations. I would always talk to him um, just because he was like another father, you know, to me. Um, but when it came to basketball, it was somebody that I leaned on, and I just asked him, I said, I don't think that, you know, this is this is right. Can you, you know, you think I could transfer? And he was like, listen, I, you know, he knew I could transfer, but, you know, he was, you know, um, made some calls, and, I, you know, Coach Knox, who was at Bowling Green at the time, um, he had spoke to him, and so when I decided to announce, um, I had schools reach out about transferring. But when I visited Bowling Green and talked to Coach Dockage, um, I knew that's exactly where I was going. So I was supposed to go to Miami, Ohio. I was supposed to go to Butler um, to visit. And I just, I, you know, after I left there, I told my parents, this is where I'm going to transfer to. So it was logical and a lot of, for a lot of reasons. It was, Coach was, you know, Dockage was like a night guy, but – you know, he ran a motion offense, which was absolutely perfect. But I played in high school to, for the most part. But it really, you know, putting the ball in the point guard's hands and letting make the decisions. And it really, you know, turned out to be exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's so crazy to me looking at when you play versus now. I've been in Anderson Arena a couple of different times. To look at how that goes versus when you go to the Stroh Center now. It, it's just, it's kind of... It's odd in that the nostalgia is gone of the old arena, but it's neat to see where BG's at now that they were able to build this big, beautiful arena. You know, I think that's uh, it is just different. It's similar, like even go back to Lincoln View as they built a new school after I graduated. Like you know, the memories of having going to that school, same as Bowling Green and Anderson Arena, all the time, and you know, the wins, the blood, sweat, tears that go on that court. But it's also, again, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, it's great for the university, it's great for the basketball program to be able to build, you know, the Stroh Center, which is just, you know, it's the top of the line, you know, um, arena and, and the MAC and, and a lot of summer, you know, around really. So um, it is, it's, it's humbling in itself, but I mean, it's still not the same for me. Um, you know, Anderson packed was just, you know, 3,500 people on top of each other, students going crazy. Um, you know, Stroh was, you know, they had a couple games like that, but again, it's hard for me to compare, you know, to that to Anderson Arena. I just can't. Well, I mean, you're telling me, I, I grew up in Spencerville and we have the closet and you guys played there and, you know, five, six, seven hundred people on top of each other. You've got to feel like you're playing the whole town. Now we get the beautiful new school and the walk-in closet and, you know, it's it's miles different. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, you know, get used to something again. Small doesn't always mean bad, right? And I think, you know, especially when you're talking arenas, especially in Northwest Ohio and these 
these communities that come and just pack these places. I mean, you know, I remember the days in Lincolnview of just, you know, we would be on the road. They was Addie Light, I remember, getting off the bus, and there was a line. You know, people were just waiting to get inside. And I opened up the, the doors for an hour and a half, and people were, you know, out there waiting to get inside. It was, um, you know, again, the access isn't always great, especially when you have good teams, but it's, it's just great to see how communities just get behind their teams, no matter who they are. Um, it really is remarkable. I absolutely love, I was reading about while you were at BG, I found these quotes that I thought were funny because it, it just kind of gives, I guess, a look at it. You're unorthodox. I don't know how to, how to put that. Uh, there's an article on BG's website. It says about you, if people didn't know you, you wouldn't be one of their top choices for a pickup game. But then it talks about how once you start that game, the other team is going to wish they had picked you. Just kind of a mentality thing. Well, now I think some of it had to do, so, you know, when I got to college, you know, the first thing I noticed when I was especially at Wright State was now I was 175 pounds. I mean, I was bouncing off these guards, especially the older guards. I had this really hard time. Um, I could stay in front of them laterally, but when they would, you know, any type of physical contact, they were creating space. I couldn't, so I knew I had to gain some weight. So I hit the weight room and really put that part of, you know, changing my body. So Coach Dockage always used to say, you know, I, he thought that I, you know, I would have been a good, you know, college wrestler as well and put a singlet on. So the unorthodox looks, he said, you know, you don't have that sleek basketball look, so to speak, but, you know, when you get on the court, it's a little bit different. So I think those were, you know, the referencing to that um, from, from what I gathered. I saw the video that uh, you had retweeted about how you were honored at BG, and, and I watched the video with the, with the highlights talking about how you at the time when you left you were third in assists in school history but the quote that cracked me up and I had to watch it four times before I could write it down in describing your handles the quote was it's like watching a baby deer wearing tube socks on an ice rink and he's talking about the defenders that's now one of my favorite quotes of all time listen and honestly Brent Clayson who did that he was a teammate of mine is still one of my favorite best friends in the, in, in the world. One of the funniest human beings out there. Um, we talk about teammates. He is, you know, top of the top of teammates, but he is just hysterical. And again, he's, um, does some podcasts, does some things on that matter, but it was, you know, for him to say that again, you have to know him as well. Um, which is just typical Brent Clayson. I felt like I got a pretty good idea that he's a cool dude <laughs> just because that's the quote that he came up with. Yeah, I, I can't even I can't even, you know, exaggerate this enough how, how good of a guy he is. Like I just I wish I've said this before, I wish everybody in this world could meet this guy. He is he's just one of a kind. I love him to death. <laughs> that is uh, I, I've come to find out throughout uh, the grapevine and we know obviously a lot of the same people that you're you're surrounded with some some pretty good people and some pretty good jokesters. Yeah, yeah. And I think we I mean, my personality is you know, obviously sarcastic. I, I love that kind of funny and um, you know, everybody, you know, again, from my high school team, even my college guys, it just, you know, everybody's got characters and, you know, if, if you know, you don't have one in your group, you're probably that one. And, um, yeah, I'm just very forced to be blessed with a number of different friends from, you know, all over the country, um, you know, with different personalities. But yeah, the, the humor is a big part of it for me. <laughs> you talked about coach Evans earlier on how much of your current coaching do you find yourself kind of going, Oh, I, all right, I get that one now. You know, co- coaching, you know, it is is unique. And what I mean by that is everybody thinks, well, it's just this good player. You know, you should be this great coach. And I, when I first started, I wasn't, right? Because I went from, you know, somebody like Coach Dockage who yells and says things that you can't repeat, you know, and does things a way that, you know, I don't normally think that's necessary. But there's also a lot of good to that as well. So I think the biggest thing with coaching that I learned from Coach Evans was, is he didn't treat everybody the same. How he would talk to me, he may not talk to Wes the same way. He may, but he also, you know, knew what it took to, you know, he would treat everybody fairly but not the same. And I think the good coaches can really do a good job of that. Um, The best ones really, really do a good job of that because it's a way of motivating. It's a way of bringing the team together. It's a way to empower players. Um, It's also a way to, you know, encourage, but it's also, you know, it's, that's it's, it's hard, right? It's, it's, there's the psychology into that. And, you know, I first started, I was, you know, not very good at it. Um, even coaching my own boys at times, like you, you know, you put, say and do things and you have to figure out, 
you know, I can't say it that way. I got to figure out ways that, you know, how they will listen, how I can, you know, be constructive, but you still get the, the outcome that we both want. Um, and again, I, I love coaching. I'm, I still, I mean, learning all the time. I think coaching is, that's the best thing about that field. It's ever evolving. Um, and if you stop learning, I think that's, you know, I coach as a hobby. It's nothing, you know, extremely serious. I've coached quite a bit, but, um, it's changed a lot. And I'd say coach Evans for sure has had a big, big influence on that, just from a psychology standpoint and what he was able to do. And how different is it now that, uh, I saw your having to look up at your son? I, I still, uh, I, it, it's crazy. I cannot believe I'm going to have a son that's going to be in, he's in eighth grade now, he's going to be a freshman next year. And, um, and again, he's, yeah, he's taller than dad. He loves it. He absolutely loves, loves it more than he needs to right now. Um, but I uh, let him know I'm still the boss. Still the boss. <laughs> have you had that conversation with him of, you know, you kind of, when you maybe work on something in the driveway or try to help him out of, you know, I, I mean, I, I played a little bit of, of high quality basketball back in the day. I might know something. You know, I, you know, it's funny because, more now than before, but I mean, three or four years ago, I mean, you would have thought, you know, you know, my, my son saw I played the trumpet in high school. You know, dad didn't know nothing. Um, but now I think, you know, again, being around people and obviously, you know, be able to hear people talk or, you know, be able to see, they, they obviously know dad could play some. Um, and again, they've been really, really good. They both of my boys have uh, really taken a passion to basketball. And again, you know, as a dad has done it, been there, there's nothing more that you want for your kids to, to follow your same passion that that wasn't mandatory. I didn't know that would be the case. You hope that, um, but seeing both my boys, I got a, you know, an eighth grader and are going to be ninth grader and going to be seventh grader. And it's just, I mean, for me as a dad, it's, um, it is awesome. It's to be able to see them and, and love it and see them have a little bit of success and some potential is, um, yeah, I can't, I can't even put words to describe the feelings that that gives, gives me personally. Well, it's funny because any anyone who has done any coaching that has a kid coming up that was a good player that I've ever talked to says the same thing. No, they don't listen. I'm just dad. What yeah. Is, what is dad that's now? Okay. That's, that's okay at times, right? You want to be – that's, I think, for the most part for me is, yeah, I want to be a dad. Like, I think for me I had to really I, – I say struggle to sit in the stands after coaching my kids and be the fan and be the dad. Like, I love that part, but inside I'm still, like, you know, there's things I just want to – say and you know tell and, and, and direct and um so i'm getting better my wife tells me anyway i'm getting better or she's just trying to hope that you continue to yeah no for sure she's she's been around a long time so she knows me too well um but she's she's a good mediator for sure did you teach either one of them the floater did you get them to do that yet you know so yeah it's obviously part of, i mean you know we, we work on a lot of things and uh, my youngest actually does a really good job with it um, am I going to be seventh grader? He's totally different. So it's fun. Like my, my oldest is more of a true wing, you know, shooting guard. And my youngest is, uh, you know, a true point guard, I would say. So again, they, they both bodies are totally different. I mean, you know, Briggs is probably going to be like dad. And for somehow my oldest Jackson is hopefully gets to be about six, eight. I don't know. But right now he's both of them are growing like crazy, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you try to try to help and, and show and, and, and teach, but it's, you know, again, I think the biggest thing about coaching me a dad is, you know, be able to say and do the right things to make your kids want to go back out and do it, right, and be passionate about it. I never want to force it. I never make them. I never, you know, I you know, I travel some, so I'm home. And they ask me, to, let's let's work out, let's go. We do it. Um, they do a lot on their own, but I just, you know, I'm really cautious of I don't ever want to be that dad that, hey, you got to go do this, you got to do this, or you got to do this this many times. Or um, I want them, you know, again, for myself and trying to coach and position the right wording and, you know, the success that they're seeing to make them want to do it. You know, and I think that's, you know, true growth. It's hard. Um, there's no secret sauce to it. I'm still learning, you know, what buttons to push with just my own kids. Right. So, um, but it's still fun. And again, I think having two boys that are competitive and, and want to be good at something and, you know, having, you know, some knowledge to help them, you know, I think that's, I just try to make as much input as I can to help them, but never, to a way that steer him away and that feels forced. I never want to be that dad if I can help it. <laughs> There's times that maybe I'm not, you know, I, I can be for sure. Um, but, you know, again, that's, that's a constant battle I have personally. Well, I wish them the best of luck, and I thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely, Michael, anytime. And, um, yeah. and if you'd like to take a shot at Frank on the way out, feel, feel free. 
Or or tell anything uh, that Frank might not want you to. You know what? Frank is, uh, I'll just say this. Frank Frank is one of a kind. I, <laughs> I, I seriously, like, I, I love him dearly. He has been a good friend since we were in fourth grade. Best of friends through school. Um, you know, again, I, I just love what he's doing with the community. I think I just, again, I got to. Um, we'll be best friends forever, and I mean, I, again, I just love the guy. We can, um, we can have an off the record conversation around a campfire, <laughs> and I can tell some good stories though, if you like. He and I get along now that we realize we're both. Uh, well, he's not playing against any of my teams anymore, and we're both Indians and Carolina fans, so it makes it work. Right. Well, awesome. you got to be one of two people in the entire country that have that in common. Right. That's kind of what I thought too. That's why I was like, well, all right, that's fine. Well. Well, Michael, I appreciate the time, and again, hopefully, uh, um, you know, we got some information across, and uh, it was helpful, but also, um, any other questions or anything I can uh, ever help with in the, in the future, let me know. I enjoyed it, and like I said, I know uh, a lot of people on Twitter, now I'll just be like, we did that. You can go back and listen to it. Yeah, right? No, but I appreciate well, you. I, I love being able to kind of look down memory lane. Well, again, thanks again, Michael, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yep. And that was Brandon Pardon. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062 and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. Big thanks to Adam Johns and Brandon Pardon again for being a part of this show. I hope that you enjoyed those interviews. Uh, like I said before and during the interview, Brandon was one of the most requested people that everyone wanted to hear talking about those Lincoln V State titles, two of the best teams that this area has ever had. And, you know, the craziness that you have three and almost four 1,000-point scorers on the same team like Brandon talked about, I, I don't know. You see that again. I mean, that's just – that that's kind of insanity. The game's not played that way anymore. But a lot of uh, a lot of great memories. And uh, those games uh, we were talking about, they were inside the closet here in Spencerville. I mean, it was wall-to-wall people. Just just crazy uh, about how that, how that went. And – I'm excited to see what uh, realignment looks like in the next week. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of differences. There are a lot of teams. If you go back and look through the history of the way that the conference set up now here in Ohio, uh, especially in Northwest Ohio, uh, there are a lot of teams that very well could have been going home uh, and. Owens Community College in Toledo has just come out in about the last 20 minutes as I tape this. Owens Community College is suspending their fall and their winter sports. Knowing a handful of local kids uh, up in that area, I feel bad for them. But it's all got to come to an end at some point, right? We can only hope. Be safe. Hug your family and uh, hang out with them. Come back next week. More great guests. You can find us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash around the Hearn, or on Twitter at Michael Hearn PVP. You've got more interviews coming up every week and uh, just kind of uh, a way to quell your mind for half an hour or 45 minutes or so. Thanks so much for listening.